SMS SAFM now on 41391. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. 21 minutes after 10 on SAFM, I'd like to welcome Professor Remco Peters. He's also known as the Extraordinary Professor in the Department of Medical Microbiology at the University of Pretoria. Thank you very much for joining us, Professor. Good evening. Thank you for uh, inviting me to speak. Now, there's a huge uh, drug-resistant gonorrhea that's uh, becoming a growing threat in South Africa. We are aware that gonorrhea is a sexually transmitted infection, but what causes it? The gonorrhea is, is caused by, uh, by a bacterium that, that, as you say, is sexually um, transmitted um, between um, between sexual partners and um, causes infection uh, if you're exposed. Um, and we, we are concerned about um, um, the development of resistance in this bacteria. So we want to make sure that, that the treatment that is available still works. Mm. Um, Are you still there, Professor? Sorry? Are you still there? Yeah. Can okay. you hear me? Now, yes, I can hear you clearly. Now, we are aware that when one has contracted gonorrhea, it can lead to a lot of different things like gentle discharge, uh, complications in pregnancy, sometimes even infertility. But when, when uh, one has to test for gonorrhea, is it as simple as just a, a blood test or looking out for some of the signs then going for the blood test? So what we what we do in South Africa is we we look for symptoms. So we we wait for for people to come to the clinic or to visit their doctor if they have certain symptoms, and like you say, if they have genital discharge or when they when they have pain when they when they urinate, um, and they go and consult with their clinicians and, and get treatment. And, and one of the challenges in in South Africa and many many other parts of the world is that we. We give treatment for these symptoms, but we don't really do um, diagnostic testing at this stage. Um, and because of that, we, we don't really know what's going on. Now, the good, the good news is that the treatment that we, we give for these symptoms normally works. So most people, we, we give treatment and it works very well for, for a genital discharge. Um, but in some people it doesn't work or there's other things going on and, and then it's important to think of, of for example, resistance. Mm. Now, with this treatment that you are talking about, is it really readily available in our public health sectors and is it a treatment that will then um, kill the bacteria altogether or is it just something that will subside the symptoms? No, the, the treatment is readily available in our public health uh, facilities. Um, and in case of discharge and, and gonorrhea, that, that involves an injection and a um, two tablets of azithromycin. Um, but one of the challenges is that um, not everybody is aware of the guidelines. Um, and we, we see quite often that people use treatment um, that no longer works for gonorrhea. So the treatment is there, the treatment works, but we quite often see people that, that get treated with, with drugs that um, don't work anymore. Um, and that's a concern, of course. 
That is a huge concern. But um, topping that concern up is the fact that then now there has been some research that has found a drug resistance uh, being reported in countries such as Asia, Europe, Australia and uh, Africa. Could you talk to us about this drug resilience? And is it the resilience to the first line treatment that is given or is it resilience to other uh, treatments that are given at a later stage? So, so it's actually a story of both. So we we know that, that the drug that was used for treatment of gonorrhea for the last up to 10, 15 years ago, it's a drug called ciprofloxacin, um, doesn't work anymore in pretty much most cases of, of gonorrhea, and, that, and that's across the world. So across the world, the, the resistance for this drug has, has really come up, and in, in most parts it, it can no longer be used. Um, and because because we're very worried about this resistance development, we, we have changed from using one drug to using two drugs for gonorrhea. And one is, is azithromycin, it's a tablet, and the other one is ceftriaxone, which is an injection. Um, and the concerns that we have is that in some parts of the world, like you say, in, in Asia or in Europe, there have been infections reported, a few, but there have been reported that have resistance to these drugs. Um, which makes it an infection that becomes incredibly difficult to treat. Now, the good news for South Africa at this moment is that we have not seen any resistance for the injection. So we still have a drug that works very well for gonorrhea. Um, But the other drug that we use, azithromycin, we do see resistance for in in South Africa, and that seems to be on the rise. Um, And that's a big concern because it means that we only have one drug left, really, to, to treat gonorrhea at this stage. We are talking to extraordinary professor uh, Remco Peters, who's a professor in the Department of Medical Microbiology at the University of Pretoria. And we are looking at the fact that there has been a growing threat of drug-resistant gonorrhea in South Africa. Yes, there's been a lot that has also been found in Asia, Europe and Australia. A-teamers, I'd like you to please interact with us by uh, dialing in on 011-714-2006 or SMS 41391. You can also WhatsApp. 0614104107. Doctor, you were speaking about uh, the resistance of drugs, and luckily, you say in South Africa we haven't found that the injection um, has given much resistance. What causes drug resistance in general? Not only just looking at gonorrhea. Is it because the particular uh, disease has um, uh, become stronger, or the medication is no longer aligned to the mutation of the disease? Could you please explain that to us? There's, there's two mechanisms um, that we see that, that induce resistance in, in infections in general, and, and the same applies to gonorrhea. Um, so one is where bacteria get exposed to, to antibiotics, and because of prolonged exposure and, and pressure on the bacteria, it changes. So it changes its genetic makeup, um, and because of that, it no longer is um, susceptible to that particular antibiotic. So one of the reasons that we we are pushing to use um, antibiotics only when really necessary is to prevent that type of resistance from happening. Because the more antibiotics we use, the more pressure we put on the bacteria, the more likely they're going to change genetically and um, build resistance. Um, And a second mechanism is that that bacteria uh, communicate with each other 
the different types of bacteria can actually exchange um, certain parts of, of genetic information um, and pick up new new resistance genes, as we call them. So it's both both the bacteria itself that changes and what happens in the environment of the bacteria. Um, but then the main the main thing to consider is antibiotics. Um, and to use antibiotics sparingly and appropriately to, to avoid um, resistance from building up. I know we are speaking about uh, a bacteria, which is uh, gonorrhea, but we've also heard of a drug resistance when it comes to HIV, which is a virus. Um, is it the same issue, uh, like using overusing of um, antibiotics that could cause resistance for diseases uh, which are virus-prone? No, it's a different mechanism. The, the resistance development for, for viruses is, is a different mechanism. Um, viruses create resistance because they um, they replicate at a very, very high rate. In other words, they multiply very, very fast. Um, and in that process, they make, they make some errors in, in the multiplication. And if one of those errors actually um, um, is helpful and, and makes the virus resistant to a certain drug, then that population will continue to replicate. So it's slightly different. So it is slightly different. I think, Doctor, we need to understand more about uh, this drug resistance around um, viruses and uh, diseases such as TPN. We, I think it's a, a total different topic um, that we need to have you on air for since you are the extraordinary professor in these things. Let me take uh, our A-teamers' calls. I'm going to start off with Ngonde. Honorable Ngonde, good evening. Evening to you, Patricia Ngoneko. Um Patricia, again, man, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you age away. You were not born during the early 80s. Patricia, we were, to be honest with you, very promiscuous, right? And we had a drug that we got from the hospital to treat the, the, this disease, okay? It was not called amoxicillin or penicillin. It was very strong. The drug was called bicillin, right? Antibiotic. Patricia, it did the trick. But, you know, it, you can't walk properly. Every second shield would know that you were beaten by gonorrhea, right? Because they would recommend that you should go to the hospital with your own transport, not public transport. Otherwise, you became a laughingstock, one. Now, Patricia, to draw this type of thing, because I'll say the side effects, um, will the side effects not be irritable dysfunction to men? right and secondly cause importance if not treated right secondly or thirdly is it not possible again genetic editing right if there are some individuals who are not genetically exposed to the type of thing in other words that they don't have a proclivity of having this gonorrhea you know this drug resistant which can be detrimental can the doctor recommend genetic editing to cure this type of thing? Patricia, good evening. Nwanda, stay on the line so that uh, if doctor has follow-up questions uh, for the comments that you have made. Um, um, uh, in fact, Professor, Professor Remko, could you please um, respond to Nwanda's uh, questions? Yeah, thank you. I must, I must say I didn't completely hear some of, some of the question, but I think if I if I can comment on what what I heard of the first part, 
um, I think was around barriers and stigma of attending attending healthcare for these kind of complaints. Um, and we know we know it's one of the issues, in particular in men um, that have discharge um, that that really struggle sometimes to um, to access care or to to find a provider where they feel feel comfortable with um, disclosing to. Um, the treatment is given in, in, in a consulting room. It's a once-off, so people don't don't take treatment home for gonorrhea. Um, so in that sense, it's really in, in, in a closed environment um, between a healthcare provider and a, and a patient. Um, the second question I could hear clearly, which which was around side effects and whether either the drugs used to treat gonorrhea or gonorrhea itself um, could cause side effects such as erectile dysfunction and impotence, um, I can say those are not related. So um, there's lots of reasons why, why men could develop erectile dysfunction or impotence, um, but it's not, it's not caused by STIs or, or the treatment of STIs. So those are not related um, as such. Um, and the third question, I must admit, I, I couldn't hear properly. Nwanda, perhaps uh, um, if you could please just uh, repeat the question on your genetical uh, modification. Okay, what I was saying, Patricia, uh, there are some males, obviously, who do not have gonorrhea, right? I'm thinking what Dustin and Trick did to that um, DNA helix, right? Which the doctor should be aware of. If it can be found that in that chromosome, 23 pairs, that there is no existence, right, genetically, of this gene, right, being like you, Patricia, being exposed or being um, susceptible to having this gonorrhea. Now, you then take that gene that does not have gonorrhea, or does not have a likelihood of having a gonorrhea, and then with some gene, genetic editing, right? They can be cured. There cannot be a disease, Patricia, that can have difficulty. I understand bicillin is no longer being used, right? That was an, an antibiotic. This could be this cured us immediately, whilst we are promiscuous. And we could go on, or go on without bad habit because we knew that Barcelona was there and it showed, it showed us immediately. Okay. Ngonde, let me uh, permit uh, Professor Good Peters to respond. Thank you, Ngonde. Professor. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I think I think you're trying to ask about Barcelona and, and the use of Barcelona for, for gonorrhea, which we you're right. We we did use it before, and and um, it it can work for for gonorrhea. We we do know that the resistance at the moment is quite high. Um, so about forty or fifty percent of of our gonorrhea strains will no longer work um, work with bisulin at the moment. So it's it's no longer going to help us um, treating um, treating gonorrhea in in um, a, a number of men. Um, Okay, and let's uh, move to another A-teamer here who's holding patiently, Ngalanga. Ngalanga, good evening. Patricia Benzito and the professor, how are you? Good, thank you, Ngalanga. 
Yeah, uh, let me start with the question which we're asking uh, the professor about uh, uh, the, the the cause of uh, resistance to uh, HIV. That is normally caused by uh, what we call uh, mutations in the science language, which is triggered by the high rate of replication of uh, the virus. Then uh, the second one, fortunately, uh, here in South Africa, uh, the drug which the professor was talking about, which we, uh, we call ceftraxone, uh, no resistance has uh, thus far uh, been uh, noted here in, in South Africa. But the cause of concern, though, is that uh, we've got uh, azithromycin as well as cervixin uh, resistance, and that should send uh, a sound and send alarm bells to the scientific community because uh, it means that uh, the ceftriaxone might be next. But the question which I want to ask the professor, uh, uh, Prof, is that uh, anecdotally, uh, I, uh, there is a, a scant evidence that uh, 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 gonorrhea is, is prevalent in the MSM. The professor should know what is MSM. It's males who have sex with males so, uh, for the benefit of your listeners. Uh, but what worries me, though, is that the, the, the surveillance uh, programs that uh, we have here in South Africa does not include uh, MSMs, which means that we might be uh, sitting with a, a bigger problem. Uh, hence, I'd like to check with the professor that in future, is it possible to include uh, this type of population? All right. Um, hold the line, Galanga. Um, professor, here's the question around MSM and the prevalence of uh, gonorrhea in South Africa. I, I didn't get the gentleman's name, but I think he is spot on. Um, it's, I mean, the summary of, of our concerns um, are, are right around um, the drugs, um, uh, around resistance emerging due to our standard drugs. What we what we know globally is that um, the resistance strains that are found um, are found more frequently in in our high risk populations. Mm-hmm. So it's men, men with many partners, but also men who have sex with men. Um, and there's different reasons um, why um, why resistance would emerge there first. Um, and the important reasons for that is that, that rectal infections and oral infections actually um, are treated less effectively with, with the drugs that we are using, so they're more prone to develop resistance. Um, we uh, we did a project, a research project, in, in collaboration with um, the Hanover Health Institute in Johannesburg, um, where we did test uh, a group of MSM and high-risk men um, for gonorrhea and, and resistance, um, which was work done by my PhD student, Lita Bochomaduna. Um, and we did find a relatively high rate um, of, in particular, azithromycin resistance in that group. A mm-hmm. uh, big, big concern for us is that, and you're absolutely right, at the moment um, the surveillance that is done in South Africa is, is done in the general population and not focusing perhaps on, on the population at highest risk for this type of resistance. Um, and that, that is, a, is a gap that we would, would like to close. So we have been, we have been speaking with um, the NICD as well to see if we cannot set up 
um, a project to do to do proper surveillance in, in Amazon in South Africa. So spot on. Yeah. Go, uh, go ahead, Galang. Yes, uh, hence I, I wanted to, to to strongly emphasize to the professor that uh, a, a multi-pronged uh, collaboration. Uh, so, uh, I mean, as he has mentioned, with the, the NICD, MRC, and various institutions of higher learning, I think that can yield positive results. Because even though that it's outside of the topic. Uh, uh, HIV itself is very high amongst with uh, MSM. That's a, a, a population which needs a special uh, attention in my books in terms of uh, ongoing research. Thank you very much, Ngalanga. Thank you. All right. Uh, let's uh, move on uh, to KGM. Uh, but before we do so, I'd like to remind you, A-teamers, uh, that we are speaking to extraordinary professor in the Department of Medical Microbiology at the University of Pretoria, Professor Remco Peters. And we are looking at the case study that has found that uh, there is a drug-resistant gonorrhea that is a growing threat in South Africa. Uh, and amongst other countries as well is Asia and uh, Australia. So it's not just us here in South Africa, but we need to be very vigilant about it. If you'd like to weigh in on this conversation, ATMA, you can dial 011-714-2006 or you can SMS on 41391. Those WhatsApps that you have sent, we'll get to them shortly on 0614-104-107. Social media platforms at SAFM Radio at Patricia N. Uli. Hashtag SAFM LNC. Good evening, uh, uh, KGM, good evening. Uh, good evening, Pat. Uh, good evening to Professor and to the listeners. Uh, gonorrhea. Um, Pat, Runa S. Basarwa. There's, uh, sometimes I wish I knew these, these uh, herbs uh, in your language or in the language that... Uh, many people understand which is english um there's there's cure there's something called motopi in Setswana. i don't know if there's anybody who would, would know that tree in english so that we can we can share with the listeners but if if you had gonorrhea and um we were to give you the the root like we would boil the roots of certain part of the root, not just the whole root, but sort of the tip end of the root, and you drank it. Uh, and you went on the western side and you took the treatment. I can guarantee you that you will get healed faster with the herb that we would have given you from Motopi, as it is called, uh, compared to the Western way. Now, the point that I'm trying to make is, uh, Prof, how far do you, in your your fraternity, how far do you go in considering the indigenous uh, solutions, like I'm giving you one as an example? And secondly, we, we get um, our indigenous knowledge systems are always or mostly not recognized because of a word that I would like your indulgence on called scientific. I really, I really 
I've, I've been having a serious challenge of this word that I had to research on it. But I just, I just would like to, to hear what your understanding of the meaning of science and scientific proof, as it were, so that we are on the same page. I suspect, Prof, that uh, not many people know that we as the indigent of this world or this country or this continent, as it were, we, we've been scientific even before the so-called civilization got here. But because of the indoctrination that came with the so-called civilization, we, we, we were forced systematically and psychologically to not recognize, let alone even study to understand and keep the knowledge that we have. Hence, even when we have the solutions, we are unable to use them to our benefit. I don't know if, if I'm, I'm clarifying myself properly, Prof. All right. Before Prof answers, KGM, you mentioned about Muglobi and you wanted someone who, underst- who knows what the scientific name is. Ngalanga is back on the line and he actually knows. Ngalanga, good evening once again. Yes, 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 yes. I, I, I'm back. Yes, uh, the, the tree which KGM is talking about, uh, uh, the species name uh, in, in scientific is called Boschia alpitrusia. The spelling is B-O-S-C-I-A. A L I P I T R U N C E. Galanga, where do you get that from? <laughs> and, uh, I, I, I'm a scientist after all. <laughs> okay. I, I, I did some botany in my first year. And But the point here, KGM, Professor and Patricia, is that we need to work collaboratively, which, means, which brings me to the point that the Department of uh, Science and Technology must try to revise its indigenous knowledge systems branch where uh, the traditional medicine, its research, its side effects, strength, and so on in order to try to find their activi- effectiveness in treating uh, various diseases. Without sounding like I'm trying to advocate for one as opposed to the other, the question that KGM posed on um, we in Africa have been scientific. Why is it that our methods need to be proven when the taste is in the pudding? But then science, let's... science works with evidence, Patricia. If there is no scientific evidence, it means that it's not working. So science above Africa uh, scientific evidence. No, if there is evidence that uh, the African knowledge is working, it must be researched, evidence found, its uh, potence, strengths and weaknesses, side effects must be found, therefore it can be approved as a, 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 a drug. Galanga, thank but you so I, very can, much. Can, yeah. can I ask Galanga before he goes? Is this KGM? Go ahead, KGM. Yes, yes it's me. Uh, let me ask you this. In, yes. in, in your, your knowledge, you talk yes. about it has to be approved. Approved by who? Because when we use these uh, herbs, as it were, we, yes. we approve them on the basis of our own experience as, as indigenous. I, I, I am a Mosara, uh, yes. Bush people, as it, as it were. Now, I, I can tell you, I can show you a lot of uh, solutions that are not the so-called scientifically proven, but uh, I can I can give you a lot of people at home that will tell you that this heals this, this this heals this. For instance, if you were to break your arm or your leg or any part of your bone, 
I would I would be able to use herbs that will will not just uh, uh, restore, but also heal the wound of your your your, your broken um, uh, uh, bone and and the flesh itself w- mm. within within four to six hours. You don't mm. get that in in the the, the so called medical or scientific way of doing things. Yet you you don't get scientists coming to us and saying but we we hear or we see or we know that we can do this Let, let's rather advocate for this because it's better than what we're doing my point is why should science approve what we already know that is better than what science can give us well, okay. I think, Galanga uh, yeah, yeah. and KGM, I think this is a whole different topic altogether. Science versus um, African um, just, uh, remedies. Just, and just, a, just a minute. I, I'll, give you, I'll give you half a second because okay. I need uh, Professor Remco, who's our guest, to respond. And then the two of you, I'm going to invite you so we have this conversation alongside with other professionals where we talk science, uh, scientific evidence versus African medicine. Uh, KGM, thank you very much for calling. We'll get Professor to respond. Galanga, your thirty you, seconds, so you that so you can uh, you can just conclude. Yeah, if we don't know, you see, a drug before a drug must be approved, we need to know its uh, dangers, drug to drug interactions. How does it interact with other drugs? Its dosage, how is it used? The mechanism of action, and so on. It can be functional. That's why I'm saying the challenge is out there for scientists to explore the area of indigenous knowledge system to try and bring a uh, traditional uh, knowledge uh, to to help uh, the community. Thank you so very much, Ngalanga. Uh, Professor Peters, I'm going to allow you to uh, respond to this heated debate, but I really enjoyed it after the break. This is SAFM Late Night Conversations. SMS SAFM now on 41391. Late Night Conversations, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. We are talking uh, about uh, drug-resistant gonorrhea that is a growing threat in uh, South Africa. And our guest is a professor or extraordinary professor in the Department of Medical Microbiology at the University of Pretoria, Professor Remco Peters. Before the break, we had a beautiful and heated uh, you know, discussion around traditional um, means of healing um, gonorrhea, as it were, and um, we got the perspective of the Basara from KGM, and uh, Galanga came in to give us scientific uh, definition of a particular plant or root. Professor Peters, please uh, come in and just uh, and, and weigh in on your thoughts about the discussion we had before the break. Thank you. I mean, I think I think, I think you're right. It, it is a heated debate, and, and what, what I find find the pity sometimes is that it feels like it's it's a competition. So I mean I work I work in the clinics, I work in clinics in rural areas and, and sometimes you you get a sense that it's a competition and, and that shouldn't be the case. I think I think there's things both both um, systems could learn from each other. Um, and there's certainly an interest in, in traditional remedies and traditional medicine. Um, and the potential for for um, using um, such remedies for for infectious diseases. 
Um, I must say, and, and I'm not sure who mentioned it, but there is there is actually several um, initiatives um, in South Africa at the moment where um, where they have reinitiated or re revived actually the the interest in traditional remedies and, and the proper study um, and knowledge sharing thereof, um, in particular also for infectious diseases. So. One of the one of the interesting things with infectious diseases is that most antibiotics are actually natural products. But they're not synthetic, they're not made in a lab, they're national products. Um and that, that has sparked the interest or renewed now the interest in, in looking at, at traditional remedies and, and nature's medicine um in an attempt to find new new antibiotics and antimicrobials. Um, and I'm convinced. I'm convinced there is there's some really good things out there um, that would be very useful. Let me go to Anonymous, who's been holding patiently. Good evening, Atima Anonymous. How are you doing? Uh, good evening, ma'am, uh, and good evening to the professor and the SFM listeners. Uh, I'm Anonymous in Cape Town. Uh, just like I did, just to comment, ma'am. Uh, Ma'am, uh, we know uh, we're struggling with the poor people who do not have uh, these medical aid and stuff like that when they're attending these so-called uh, general hospitals, of, you know, because you find that if you having it is embarrassment already if you have this kind of uh, you have this kind of uh, sexual transmitted diseases because now you find that in these areas that you are in you are being categorized you are putting a certain section. In the public, we are all sitting all together. Then, then the nurse will come up and call all of you. But all those who've got gonorrhea must come in this side. You know, that people now they become that they become so embarrassed. You don't want to go in such places. You know, you end up getting some stuff that are not, you know, uh, fixing the problem that you're going to to go. You, 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 the problem that you went for. So you end up these things. I believe that is the reason why maybe this also this. Um, what you call this uh, resistance, you know, some people maybe you go or maybe you don't go if you have because you know you're going to be embarrassed in this, uh, in this hospital. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, Anonymous. And I think that uh, calls for our uh, public health system to be looked at and uh, the way um, healthcare workers treat, frontline healthcare workers treat uh, the people who come in as patients. Nathan, good evening, Atima. How are you doing? Good evening, Madam Patricia. How are you? I'm blessed. How are you? I'm okay. Okay, Madam Patricia, I remember, I wanted to ask the professor, I remember when I was still younger, our dad has a big farm, so there are some people who used to work at that farm. So he used to drive to take us there every after school on Fridays, and we come back during evening hours on Sunday. But there were some workers on the farm, because at that time I was understanding, I was in primary six, we were studying about science. But he, there are some people who used to acquire gonorrhea, and he, they inject them PPF, broken, uh, for what, whatever, for the cow. I hear, I hear, I'm not sure that's what I wanted to ask the professor. Broken brain injection for the cow. But they used to lay down for more than two hours whereby you can't walk, you can't do anything, but it used to get cured. So what I wanted to ask the professor, that broken penicillin injection for the cow, was it working or it was another thing which I don't know? Thanks, Madam Patricia. Thank you, Nathan. Uh, Professor Peters, please uh, do respond if you do know about this. 
about this. Um, I, it's it's <laughs> it's a novel story for me, um, but I know there's lots of lots of stories out there um, like this. So this is certainly not not a story that you know. There, there's many stories out there, and I'm and I'm sure there's some some truth in uh, in some of them, uh, if not most of them. But but this story or this type of story, I've not heard before. Mm, okay, and uh, the last call we're going to take is from anonymous. Uh, good evening, Atima. Good evening to you, Patricia, and your guests as well. How are you? Excellent, thank you. Okay, I can hardly hear you. I think you're far away from me. Uh, I make my own antibiotics huh? and everything from my kitchen. Mm-hmm. All right, I take nine different powders, eight eight powders and some juices, and I give you it's a pinch of everything in a cup of water, a ginger powder, a pinch of ginger powder, garlic powder, nutmeg powder, clove powder, cardamom powder, cinnamon powder, aniseed powder, turmeric powder, and the, and the ninth one is I use one or two teaspoons of lemon juice uh, together with orange juice, fresh orange juice, or you can use lime juice and orange juice. And I boil them together in a cup of water in water, not in, not in tea or not in herbal teas, in just water. And I use two teaspoons of, uh, after it's boiled, I use two teaspoons of honey or molasses or one teaspoon of each, uh, which I use, and it helped me the, also for the COVID-19. Okay. You know, you, you even use this uh, fresh, if you've got fresh, like if you've got fresh ginger, you can just use quarter piece of fresh ginger or one clove of garlic, you know, uh, or if you got fresh or freshly. But okay, uh, uh, so anonymous. Does does this particular antibiotic help with gonorrhea or any other um, ailment? Yes, this is an antibiotic that can help you for everything. It can heat up your uh, your your stomach. It can heat up your lungs. It can protect you from uh, from getting uh, colds and flus. Thank you very much for sharing. You're welcome. I'm going to ask Benzito to take all those ingredients down for me. We'll try it. And okay. <laughs> before we close off, I've got a, 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 SMA, a WhatsApp here from Dutuleng in uh, Clerkstop who says, very interesting topic. Our people must know that sexually transmitted infections can be cured and most importantly, prevented. So our people must continue to use condoms. Professor, as we close off, please give us your parting shots. Are you there, Professor? Uh, Yes, I can. uh, You were breaking up for a second. So I was saying, as Um, we close off, uh, can you please just give us your parting shots on with regards to the topic that we had on hand? The the parting shot is that we we should um, we should all be aware that these STIs are out there; they're increasing, um, and we should all do our best to um, to prevent and condomize and um, seek seek help um, if we get sick. Thank you so very much, uh, Professor, and uh, looking forward to uh, discussing with you other resistances, drug-resistant diseases in the near future. And uh, just uh, for us to give a disclosure, we are not promoting um, any of the remedies or, um, you know, that we've spoken about, whether they be traditional or from your kitchen or roots that we spoke about. We're not promoting anything. We were just sharing information. And I'm looking forward to some time in the near future where we will have this discussion 
discussion around scientific, um, you know, research around medicine and traditional um, research or medicines that are available and that are working. That discussion is going to come very, very soon. This is Late Night Conversations. Let's move to the newsroom. Beautiful Zolega Kodashi is waiting for us. Good evening.